Hi, welcome to Life Hurts, God Heals. I'm one of your hosts, Kim Ward. And I'm your other host, Kurt Flagel. And on this episode, we are continuing our conversation with Dr. Deanna Schrodes, who helps us see from an adoptee's perspective what it means for all of us to be worthy of God's love. Let's jump into part two of Worthy to be Found. So I think, you know, you and I are both adopted, so a lot of this it's not a stranger to us because it's our story. We've lived it, you know, not knowing where you come from, not knowing who you look like dealing with sealed birth records, which, you know, that's a a whole nother thing that can set most of us off for, you know, a nice tirade, which we don't really need to do technically right now. But could you just, for those who aren't adopted, who don't know why this is such a big deal. Would you mind kind of explaining a little bit of that? I think it's so common that with anything we face in life, it is hard for us to put ourselves in another person's shoes. And it it becomes easy to mock a pain that we have not endured. It becomes easy to do this with anything. I was just speaking with a friend even just last night who is a widow and we're the same age and she's a widow and has felt misunderstood by anyone but widows, you know, because so often someone will lose a spouse and it's, you know, after a few months, well, shouldn't you be over this by now or a year, you know, shouldn't you be over this by now? Are you still crying about this or whatever? And with anything we go through that is a loss, I think when other people haven't experienced that same loss, they can go into dismissing, even sadly mocking, you know, like what, why is this such a big deal? And I think a part of it is because those of us who are adopted as infants, people think, how can that have any effect on you at all. Like, I don't even understand what the effect is here. And without belaboring this forever, I just encourage those people because this is so, as you know, Kim, this is so deep and complicated. It is not nice and neat and tied up in a bow in five minutes or even five hours. And I tell people there are so many scientific studies that are done, so much research that now shows exactly how even infants are affected. Even someone who may not even know they're adopted could be affected in this way by the loss that they feel. I could cite just a bazillion sources here. There's no time for that. But like one of them is The Body Keeps the Score by Bessel van der Kolk and where he talks about, you know, you may not talk about this. You may not, you may shove it down. You may not outwardly recognize it, but your body is keeping the score of every single thing that you have been through. And so We do feel this loss very deeply. And this is not to say that God cannot work through our pain, that God cannot redeem everything, that God cannot use all of our stories for his glory. He certainly, certainly can. But one thing that's very hard for non-adoptees at times to understand is that to be adopted, which of course they just focus on the wonderfulness of adoption, to have that wonderfulness that they speak of, you first have to lose your entire family. And I often put it in the words of, can you just imagine anybody in this world losing their entire family, just bam, in a car wreck? Nobody would go up to you and say, you just need to get over losing your family in that car wreck. You just need to get over it. Like, it's just move on to this. You know, God's going to give you a new family. Just be happy for that. We would never say that to somebody who just lost their family in a car wreck and just tell them to, uh, don't think about that. Just think about this new family that God's going to give you, that we believe God's going to give you right now, or that God has given you right now. And so 
people don't translate this real well when it comes to adoptees that we have had a profound, significant loss in losing our entire first family. And this does not mean that you don't love your new family. This does not mean you don't love your adoptive family. This does not mean you don't love your adoptive mother and father and sister, brother. And, you know, this does not mean that you're not grateful. So often, even if you express any pain, it's like, oh, well, you must just be ungrateful. It doesn't mean just because you talk about a loss or pain doesn't mean you are ungrateful. Just like, let's just say that a person is remarried after the loss of their spouse and they have a new spouse and this is a brand wonderful spouse. The fact that they may talk about on on the previous spouse's birthday or, you know, any other event and say, you know, he or she is missed. That doesn't mean they're ungrateful for their new spouse or they don't love their new spouse. It just simply means that was a profound loss in their life. And they still recognize that that person means something to them. And so there's room for more than just one person in our lives or two people or whatnot. And so, so often the loss of an adoptee is just not recognized. It's just dismissed entirely. Like you were a kid, who cares? God provided something else for you. And that's what you need to focus on. Don't think about the past. Don't think about this or that. And as you know, Kim, it's impossible for us to not think about the past. There are so many things, so many things that intricately tie us to our first family. I was not raised with, I, I didn't spend nine months in Gus's body before I was born. Like I did my birth mother. But it is, I am so much more like Gus than my mother. It is uncanny. It is, it is unbelievable. It is just outrageous. My, my husband always says, I, I, Gus is still here in this form every single day. Like I still see Gus and you every single day, mostly through how you act. And I wasn't raised with him. I didn't spend nine months in his body, but I'm still so much like him that he is a part of me. And this was a profound loss. And so to not have that loss acknowledged, that is re-traumatizing. And again, I just feel like I'm, I'm, I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You are, you already know everything I'm saying. And so I don't want to be insulting here. I know you're asking me to explain it to other people. So, so that's what I'm doing. It's so often re-traumatizing when we are dismissed and told that this shouldn't matter. Yeah. I hope and, we did a good job answering that. I no, that was good. And I think. Then there, of course, the other danger we've talked about is the for the adoptees who grow up in the Christian community to then also get dismissed in that way and go, well, God had a plan and he meant for you to be, you know, with your adoptive family, mm-hmm. which, yeah, God works, you know, all things together for good. We believe that. Mm-hmm. But it becomes another way of being dismissed or, oh, we're all adopted. We're all God's kids. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Cringed a little bit saying that one again, you know, mm-hmm. because it. As Kurt and I were have talked about this, because he's also my spiritual director, you know, on top of everything else, adoption now looks very different than adoption did in Paul's day when he was writing about it. Right. It wasn't an infant. It was someone who was old enough to make a choice. Yeah. Right. It's talking about salvation. It's talking about spiritual adoption. It's talking about salvation in Jesus Christ, not Adoption is an institution in the world, you know, or whether we be in the United States of America or any other country, it's not talking about the institution of adoption as social work. It's talking about receiving Jesus Christ as your personal savior and being adopted as a son and daughter of God. So yes, it's different. And you're right. I mean, I run up, as you know, we are a rare breed in the adoptee community 
those of us who are believers and it is very hard. I mean, you just run into thousands and thousands and thousands of people who say, why do I want to, you know, go to church or believe in God when I'm told that, you know, God put me in the wrong tummy or, you know, God always planned, you know, this for me. Well, why would God plan that kind of significant loss for me from the very beginning of the world? I mean, it's, it's very hard to, to get through to adoptees in these situations and let them know that Jesus loves them so much and wants to help them and heal them and have a relationship with them. And that no, Jesus did not put them in the wrong tummy. You know, but it just, it's, it's hard sometimes, as you know, to get those thoughts across and to explain why we believe in, in Christ, why we serve Christ and to, to separate that. And I know that so many adoptees, when they go to church and when they have ventured into the doors of the church and they want to find healing, I know one gal that tried to have a celebrate recovery group, you know, celebrate recovery is so big in so many of our churches and it's a great program. And I, I happen to love the program. I've only heard amazing things about it. And her church has a huge, huge, celebrate recovery ministry. And they, I mean, they have everything from, you know, recovering from divorce, recovering from drugs, recovering from alcohol, recovering from codependency, recovering from abuse. And she wanted to have a celebrate recovery for adoptees. And she was practically laughed out of the room. The pastoral staff said, absolutely not. This is the craziest thing we've ever heard. Well, that just completely turned her off 100% to the church. She just, I mean, had a from what I understand, kind of a a deconstruction from that time on, which is super sad. I mean, that would have been a wonderful outreach opportunity for that church to have a Celebrate Recovery group for adoptees to find healing in Jesus Christ. And so, and you and I both have experienced that. And we know that we can have healing through Jesus Christ and that he can help us through this significant loss in our lives. And so I am passionate about telling people within the church Um, And it's hard, as you know, Kim, it's hard because when we even try to tell people within the church, so many times we're immediately shut down as this is the craziest thing we've heard. You know, we don't. And and so just to get and and I was even explaining to somebody even just in just in the last day, I was saying, you know, the church has their ears shut to this to a large degree when it comes to adoptee voices. And yet here we go with adoptees committing suicide at four times the rate of their non-adoptee counterparts or attempting suicide, not not necessarily, from what I understand, the statistic is attempting, not necessarily succeeding. So adoptees attempt suicide at four times the rate of everyone who is not adopted. And we are grossly overrepresented in treatment centers, therapy, in rehab centers, and yet the church is still turning a deaf ear to the trauma. And we need to stop. Can I ask something here? As someone who you both are safe with and yet has not gone through that experience, I would love it for me personally and I think for others. If you would just share, like, would you name the emotional trauma? Like, you you are not being dismissed here. You are not being minimized in this space. And I would love it if both of you would share the the emotional and mental trauma, like name the things that you've had to struggle with because of the very fact of being adopted as, you know, babies. And I think that as you share that, if no one understands adoption out there, maybe they haven't, like me, haven't gone through that experience. I'm sure a lot of people will relate, and especially in our world, (laughs) will relate to the trauma. Maybe from a different direction, but they will. Do you want to go first, Kim? Yeah, I think the first thing I remember thinking is, why wasn't I good enough to be kept? Like, what did I do if just being born, you know, 
was enough for me to be left. You know, how do I, how do I prevent that? You know, and spending the rest of my life being the, <laughs> the good adoptee who does whatever it takes, you know, to not get rejected that way again, mm-hmm. because rejection is a, a huge thing. Cause you know, all you did was be born <laughs> and you get left, mm-hmm. you know, and, and the people who then say, well, that's your mom loved you so much. That's why she gave you up. Then you equate love with being left. Exactly. Yes. I've heard people say, I, I know you have more to say, but let me just insert here. I have heard so many adoptees say that when I've said that I felt rejected and pain, people have said, this wasn't rejection. Your birth mother loved you so much. She gave you up. And so many adoptees have said to me, okay, so that pretty much taught me people who love you can walk away. And that's why so many adoptees have relationship issues, marriage issues, you know, wrecked marriages, multiple marriages. When we grow up believing, well, it's just normal for people who love you to walk away and for you to have to build something new all over again. So it's just not, it's just not normal. So anyway, go on because I'm loving what you're saying. Yeah, that was that was the big one. I think the other one was you should just be glad you weren't aborted, which right. then speaks to the, well, you, you must be worthless. You must be trash because, you know, right. if you can just be tossed out, you know, like you don't matter. Like the alternatives are your only alternative to being adopted was being tossed away like a piece of garbage. You know what I always say to people who say that? And I know it's probably a really sarcastic response, but it's just, I've gotten so sick of this that when anybody says to me, you ought to be glad you weren't aborted. I said, well, you ought to be glad you weren't aborted too, because everybody in this world could have been aborted. I mean, why should I feel this way any more than you should? Every one of us could have been aborted. And so by that logic, all of us should just be grateful we weren't aborted. And I agree with that. We all should be grateful we weren't aborted, but why are you focusing on me when you say that? Yeah, that's because I remember I was like 13 or 14 the first time I remembered kind of going like admitting out loud to anyone that I missed my birth parents or my birth mom. And that was the instant response I got was that one and the, oh, well, God had a plan and you should just be so grateful. And isn't that occasionally a word that sets our teeth on edge because it's dismissive of of the pain that's, you know, that, that we go through. And to, in my case, you know, I also had the, well, why am I not worth pursuing? Because both of my, I have a younger sister who's also adopted and both of her birth parents sought her out Mm. and pursued her. And my birth mom wanted nothing to do with me. She refused to look at me in the hospital. She refused to touch me, wanted nothing to do with me. And I knew that story from the time I was little. So there's the, okay, well, what's wrong with me even more so? Because the people who were supposed to pursue me didn't. Right. Yeah. That, that's so huge. It is. And I also want to back up to what you said. You're saying a lot of things that are re- really rich here. You said when you would talk about missing them, we're often completely dismissed because people assume you can't miss someone that you've never met that you can remember. There's that great resource by Paul Sunderland, Recalled Not Remembered. It's the YouTube teaching that he does based upon his research, Recalled Not Remembered. And he talks about how there's still that imprint on our lives. Even if we were infants and we can't recall it, it's recalled, but not remembered. And you can miss somebody you're not even in relationship with. And so often we're dismissed when we, when, when we're talking about those of us who are adopted as infants who don't have the memory that we can recall. So yeah, I resonate with everything you're saying. For me, some of the um, trauma, I I would say the, the significant loss, the grief, you know, when I went into that 
leave of absence, I also went into eight months of counseling. And that was really what eight months with a trauma-informed counselor, Christian counselor, who recognized immediately you're dealing with significant loss. You're dealing with complicated grief. You're dealing with complex trauma. I was never even familiar with these terms prior to that point, even though I was a minister, never heard of any of this. And she said, you're suffering from all of this and you need to go into recovery for this through, through therapy. And it, it changed my life. I didn't, no one had ever recognized that before, but my trauma was significant loss, complicated grief. Also the secrets and the lies. It's so heavy. There's so many secrets and lies in most of our stories. And by this, I don't mean that your adoptive parents are lying to you that I know of with my adoption issues. My adoptive parents have never lied to me. So thankfully, I don't, I, I've never dealt with that. But I have plenty of friends whose parents told them everything from your parents died in a car crash to whatever else, you know, to try to dissuade them from searching. You know, you might as well not look because we were told your parents died in a car crash. Um, I'm so thankful I never went through anything like that and that my parents did not lie about anything. But with my with my birth parents, there were a lot of lies. So in an effort to the, that I wouldn't find them and just lies to Told about the circumstances, the relationship, whatever. And then, of course, the secrets, which come into play not only with your birth parents, but also with the law and with the way that our laws are set up. It's just so archaic. It's crazy to think about. You know, it's so hard to even explain to Christian believers that, okay, when adoptees have a birth certificate, half of which are lies, it's they're total untruths. When you, you know, an adoption certificate, it would make sense for an adoption certificate to have all these things, but it doesn't make sense for a certificate of birth, which is supposed to be a record of the accurate data of your birth, should have all these things that aren't true about you. And this is why adoptees so badly, as you know, Kim, why we want our original birth certificates, because it's actually the accurate information. Some adoptees don't even have the right birthday on their birth certificate or the right hospital or the right city, because all these things were changed in an effort to make it hard for them to figure out where they originally were from and who they belong to. So, these are all just things that play with your mind. You know, all the secrets, all the lies, the the things about your, your own self that you don't know. Looking into a mirror and having no idea why you have the face you have. And of course, when I would struggle with this over the years, there were people that would say, well, God gave you that face. Your face comes from Jesus. You know, your face comes from God. And I'm okay. I, I know that ultimately, but God used two people to make this face. You know, I know that ultimately it comes from God, but I want to know the two people that he used to make up this face because I look nothing like the people who raised me. And I know it's even harder. It's a whole nother ball of wax that I can't even speak to because I have no firsthand experience, but I know it's even harder for our, our, our brothers and sisters in the adoptee community who are of a different race or a different nationality. And they, it's such a stark difference of having no one around them that looks like them. You know, there's no, the, the whole genetic mirroring factor. So all of that is, is traumatic, you know, to, be searching in your face for the face where you come from and to just have no idea. And again, well-meaning Christians will just say you came from Jesus. And yeah, I ultimately do know I came from God. I've kind of had to look at it that way anyway. You know, I'll be honest with you. And, and I don't know what you relate to this, Kim, but for so long when I would think of my birth or my birthday or anything concerning my birth, I didn't ever picture myself being birthed by a woman or birthed through a woman. I always pictured myself born from a building because I didn't know the woman. I didn't know the person. I wasn't allowed to know the person. The law said I couldn't know the person. I pictured myself coming out of Norfolk General Hospital. You know, I looked up, you know, before I actually went there to see the building one time, 
I looked it up online, pulled pictures of it up, and I thought, this is where I come from. This is where I was birthed. Whenever I would picture my birth and my birthday, I just pictured myself born from a building because I didn't know any other thing. And I craved knowing where did I, who did I come out of, you know? Yeah. So these things were all traumatic and it's hard to explain to people that haven't experienced it. Just like most things we go through in life that are hard and other people have never experienced it. And you're trying to explain why this is so hard. And they're just like, man, can't you just move on, focus on the good? Yes, I've done that for 56 years. I've tried to allow the Lord to redeem every single speck of this for his glory. Doesn't mean I don't have some hard days and that these aren't realities and complications that we have to solve. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the harder part for people to grasp sometimes. It's just like when you, if you lose a parent or you lose a spouse, sometimes there are seasons like holidays I know can be really hard for people who are adopted, birthdays, and lucky me, all of mine fall in a three-month period for all of that. I am so happy every time <laughs> as Kurt is well aware of since he normally gets my moodiness. And that's another thing that people don't understand. Like when adoptees, many, many adoptees, like I have, I have some close adoptee friends. I mean, they don't even want to hear happy birthday. They don't want to get a birthday card. They don't want any of that because the day reminds them that they came from someone that they don't know from somewhere they don't know. It reminds them of everything they don't know. It reminds them of that day where this happened that they know nothing about. And so yeah. it's a hard hard day, but I know it's hard for them as well. When they express that they feel that way, it's just dismissed of, oh my God, you can't just be happy about your birthday. Like what, what the heck, you know, this is crazy. Now I've, I've, honestly never dealt with that. I've always liked my birthday, but I would admittedly, I mean, I'm a person who thought about my birth parents all the time, super, super a lot, a lot more than just my birthday. But on my birthday, of course, I would think, are they thinking about me today? Like I would know that I was thinking about them every day, but I didn't know if they were thinking about me. And so, but especially on my birthday, I would think, hmm, this is my birthday. I'm just really wondering if they're thinking about me today. Yeah. There's so many unknowns Mm -hmm. for us that I think, and even being in reunion, and if that isn't complicated enough, there's still the the grief of, okay, well, I'm in reunion now, but I can't get back the years that, that we lost the time that we lost together. And yeah, you know, you there's, I met my birth mom for the first time, what, six or seven years ago. And it was the first time I saw someone who looked like me, who walked like me, who Dear Lord, sounded like me. And like, like we walked up and she's like, oh, I'd know you anywhere. Wow. But at the same time, I have three siblings, only one of which knows I exist. I have grandparents that don't know I exist. All because my birth mom is still afraid of the consequences of her not telling anyone about me for the last 39 years. And that sucks. It does. <laughs> it sucks to be treated like a secret. Like there's something shameful about your existence. And yeah, God has done amazing things through this. I had a conversation with him, which I love, where he's like, okay, Kim, what if I took you back in time and you still, you got to live with your birth family and you still knew me, but you wouldn't know anyone that you met because we went on this journey. Would you do it? And he started bringing all these people like Kurt and his family and all the kids that I got to do youth ministry with. And I had to go, well, this isn't fair. (laughs) Like, how could I make that choice? How could I give up all the people that I have loved being with? You know, I mean, yeah, it was (laughs) in a perfect world. Adoption wouldn't exist. If our Mm -hmm. world wasn't broken, let's face it. Adoption would be one of those things that wouldn't exist because we wouldn't need it. It would never be necessary, but we do live in a broken world. So yeah, 
people make broken choices. That's the wrestling match that I think adoptees have to face all the time, especially Christian adoptees, of someone else's choices affected us so hugely that now we struggle with, yeah, with grief and complex trauma and all these things that none of it was because of choices we made. Right. It goes on and on. And people will say, you're still talking about this? Well, they don't Mm. realize how it affects our life on a daily basis. And it's not like we're looking for it. I mean, this affects me. First of all, as you know, I don't have to tell you this. It affects you every time you go to the doc. Mm. Big time. Big time. With all the questions and answers that you can or can't give. And then it affects you in so many other ways. People don't realize. It's kind of like if you didn't have a red car, but suddenly you buy a red car and then you're driving this red car and... You know, when I, when I bought a red Dodge, now I see all these red Dodges on the road because I have one, you know? And so it's just, it's, you see it everywhere. Being adopted, certain things, you now realize how much this is discussed every single day, all the time. Like, I don't know about you, but pretty much every movie you watch, it's got some element of it. And I tried to tell my family that they thought I was crazy at first. And I said, I'm telling you guys, there's not a movie we watch that there's not an element in there that is about this. And they're like, oh, mom, that can't be true. That can't be true. I'm like, you know what? Every single time we sit and watch a movie and, or a TV show and this happens, I'm going to start saying it's everywhere. Okay. So I started doing that. Well, wouldn't you know every time we watch a movie as a family this happens and I have to shout it's everywhere so now I mean it's become a funny thing we were on a cruise not long ago and we're sitting there in a comedy show and suddenly the comedian starts going off about being adopted not that he's adopted but just he was just making making adoption jokes about oh we're gonna tell this kid he's adopted or whatever and my family my kids just look at me and all of a sudden they all go it's everywhere you know and I said it is it's literally everywhere like there's not a day I could keep my mouth shut all day long. I mean, that's going to be like parting the Red Sea, right? But anyway, I could keep my mouth shut all the day long and never say a darn word. And I promise you, even without me talking, this subject is going to be brought up by somebody in my world. And not just about me. They're going to talk about, it could be talking about someone else, talking about their situation, talking, talking about the issue. I promise you it comes up in my world almost every day, if not every day, through somebody, especially in the church, because let's face it, among Christians, it's even more so. So, you know, like it's very rare that like when I'm leading a team that at least a third to half of them don't have ties to this issue personally. So, of course, it's discussed all the time. It's just in your face all the time. Mm -hmm. And then before you know your birth parents, if you're not reunited, you know, even just questions like, oh, you know, when your mom was pregnant with you did blah, 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 blah. I'm like, oh, I don't know. Cause I don't even know her, you know? Right. So there's just things that happen every day without you looking for it, without you seeking it, without you trying to find it, without you, without you, you know, honing in on it. It just, it just is, it just is in our world today. And that's part of what yeah. people don't understand when they say, why can't you just let this go or not talk about it or not focus on it or blah, blah, blah. I'm like, uh, Well, if the rest of the world stopped focusing on it, maybe that would be a little easier, but like the whole world is focused on this. Let's be real. Most of the time they're focused on it in such a way that is not very understanding at all. Mm. There's people around them grappling with issues of loss. Yeah. So, so true. Yeah. See, I I don't know if I focused when you were talking about, oh, oh, I figured I just came from a building. I just figured I showed up out of nowhere. There's the the joke, the only alien on the planet, because that's kind of how you you feel, because we haven't even talked about stuff like people who stay with their original family take for granted things like knowing who you look like, knowing your heritage. Oh, 
how many times did I hear growing up, oh, I'm part Greek and I'm part Native American and I'm part this and I'm part that. And I'm sitting there going, and then they go, Kim, what are you? And I'm like, uh, long internal pause of how much of a conversation I want to go through. Right. Even as a kid, you know, I, it's, I it's a it. lot. I understand. I think if we could go here, this is exactly what I wanted to hear for me and for everyone else. Would you, both of you having gone through this for years and, you know, walking with Jesus on this journey, what would you suggest for people, both the parents of adoptees and adoptees who are just beginning the journey of desiring healing and not knowing where to start? What steps would you give them from your own experiences? Well, let me say that it's been a totally different experience for me once I was in community. For so long, I was alone and quite frankly, afraid to share my feelings it's so much harder going through this when you're not in community. So one of the first things is getting community. And some of my community is in the adoptee community, not necessarily with believers, but just with people who understand. And then connecting also with believers who are adoptees like yourself, Kim, that understand this on a personal level. So community is absolutely huge. Like my friend, Laura Dennis, who's my closest adoptee friend, and she's not a believer, but she she's mentioned many times how different it was when I went through secondary rejection with my birth mother how long it took me to move forward from that and how long I cried over that day after day because I wasn't in community at all. And then when I went through the situation with pretty much losing her a third time after I decided to heavily go after my my birth father, I cried super bad, super bad, but it it wasn't for two years. You know, it was, you know, it was for a couple of weeks that I was really heavily, you know, weeping then that came to a close. And she said, Laura said, you know what? I believe the difference is you're, you're in such a strong community. And so staying in community is really key. And, and that would be spiritually as well, staying in, in touch with believers who have compassion and understanding and can walk through this with you so that you're not alone. As for me, it's very important for me to separate always always separate Jesus from people and understand that, as Kim says, we live in a broken world. The rain falls on the unjust. We live in a fallen world. Um, No, God is not going around putting babies in the wrong tummy. When we attribute things like that to God, it's just a completely false narrative of who God really is. This is not who God is. And so when I separate God from the actions of of my birth parents or of the adoption industry or of laws that are in the United States of America, that all that has nothing to do with God. And when I focus on, you know, many adoptees who are not believers have said to me, how can you be a Christian with all this stuff that we have to deal with from, you know, everything that we've talked about today? And how can you be a Christian? And I say, that's a very easy answer for me. We've got a lot of complication in these issues and we've got a lot of things that aren't easily identified, but I'll tell you, this is easily identifiable for me. It's very easy for me to keep my trust in God because he's the only one that hasn't failed me or left me. And I don't attribute the bad choices of anyone in in these earthly scenarios to God. I I see God as separate from all of that. And so I trust him. I serve him. I lean into him. Prayer is so key for me, leaning into prayer, leaning into worship. I'm a big believer in soaking worship. I love soaking worship and um, soaking prayer and journaling and all of the spiritual disciplines. I lean very heavily into all of that prayer and fasting and soaking and just all the above to deal with these issues in my life and more, not just the adoption issues, but all issues. And so these are the things that have brought me healing and freedom and having people pray for me that also have compassion in this situation. Yeah, that's good. And I think 
you know, because depending on where you are, like I'm in a weird situation where I have yet to find any other Christian adoptees, or at least ones who are out, as we say, out of the fog, who aren't still touting the, this is all rainbows and unicorns and right. this is amazing. Find people online. Find like, like for me, like I said, it was your blog was, and then that led me to a lot of the other people like Laura Dennis's blog I followed for a while, you know, finding the communities. At the very least, find them online if you can't find them anywhere else. If you live in a, we live in a kind of a small area on the central coast of California. It's difficult here. That was a hard thing. Yeah. Community is huge. Like if Kurt hadn't shown up, if other people hadn't shown up, if God hadn't provided those people that were space, even if they go, I don't totally understand this, but I'm willing to listen. Yeah. Like, that's a real friend. Yeah, that's that's a real leader. Yeah, and that's that's what you need. Like, it's tempting to try to do it alone. I get it. I do. I tried it alone for a really freaking long time, and boy, did I hate that. Looking back, because you're so afraid of rejection again, or of being told, "Oh, are you still going on about this?" Or, "Well, that was just your experience." Like, that's or how can you be angry about this? I'm like, because it's wrong. That seems like a pretty simple answer, mm-hmm. you know, but it's worth taking the step out there. It's hard. It's not easy, but I'd say it's it's worth it, you know, and I guess at the very least you find out who really will be there for you. Yes, absolutely. That's like I said, the blogs help like they really do as far as especially when you're first starting words can be hard to find. Yes. Because you feel it because you spent so long probably trying to deny you felt any of it, especially for those of us who grew up in the church Mm -hmm. because it was wrong. There was something wrong with you if you felt grief. There was something wrong with you if you didn't feel thankful for all of this. If you had doubts, if you missed people, it was kind of communicated that there was something wrong with Mm -hmm. you. Absolutely. So words, words are so important. Like I'm going to wrap myself out and But, you know, when I was going to go talk to Kurt for the very first time, when he offered to to start meeting with me, and I'm sitting there going like, okay, well, adoption is a huge part of all the things I'm struggling with. But words are, I'm slowly learning to use them, but they're not my strong suit. How do I do this? Like, how do I make him understand? So I I copied and pasted a bunch of stuff off your blog and printed it out and made a handout. I'm like, here, you need to read this first. Oh, my gosh. It was thick. Are you serious? Yes, I did. Well, that is hilarious, but I'm honored. Well, because, you know, you kind of gathered the resources so I didn't have to to, to find a bunch of it. Because I was like, and I still have it saved on my computer. So if I have to do this again at some point, I can just hear, read this packet. If you can't handle reading this packet, we probably shouldn't keep having this conversation. It's hard you to know. find safe people. Yeah. I am so thankful to have you on this, Deanna. This has been so great. It's been Um, great to be with you. Thank you for the honor. So one of the things we like to do is we like to ask the person that we're interviewing to pray for anyone who's going to be listening to the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to. Father, we just pray right now for anyone who's going to be listening to this, God. We know that you are already in the future waiting to show us around. You knew before Kurt and Kim even planned this episode, you knew who needed to hear this. And so God, we just pray right now that you reach out and minister God to each person listening Help them to know they're not alone. They're not crazy. Lord, there is hope. There is help. And God, you are touched with the feelings of our infirmities. You are touched with our significant losses, with our complicated grief, with our complex trauma, with the things, Lord, that we've been dismissed over again and again. God, you've never laughed. You've never dismissed us, God. You just desire, Lord, to open your arms and to and to just wrap your loving arms around us and minister to us through your Holy Spirit on every one of these issues, God. We are not left comfortless, Lord. You are our comforter. You come to us and you desire 
to do a work of healing and hope in our lives. And I pray God that those that are listening would not uh, just listen to this and just, and just turn it off and, and continue. If they're in that space of believing that there's no help, there's no hope. God, I pray that you would just help them to see that that is a lie of the enemy and that you have a hope, you have a future, you have a plan, and it doesn't include getting dismissed. It includes getting help. It includes um, being filled with hope and having a future, Lord, for each person. And I pray for those listening that maybe they're not adoptees, but they're their parents or their friends of adoptees or uh, such, or they're just church people or church leaders. God, I pray that you would fill their hearts with compassion. Fill fill them, God, with a desire to meet people where they're at. And, and more than anything, to listen, to listen and to care. It shows so much love just by listening. And so we pray, God, that people would open their hearts to listen and to care and to be agents of your healing, agents of change in hearts and lives. And we thank you for this in your precious name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you for the invitation. Really, I'm super honored. Yeah. Thank you. I'm grieving lost ministry opportunities for the church right now. I'm right with you. Yeah. Thank you for being a person who, who cares. Thank you for sharing so much, Tina. I can't even I can't even put in the words how powerful this was. Wow. Yeah. And thank you again for being willing to do this with two people you've never met. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much again for inviting me. I'm super honored. Thank you so much for listening to the last episode of this season of Life Hurts, God Heals. But keep an eye out this summer because we may have a few surprise episodes for you. In the meantime, if you want to contact us, you can find us on our YouTube channel or on our Facebook page, both simply titled Life Hurts, God Heals. And of course, last but not least, please remember that from God's perspective, you are His beloved, so choose to be loved. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.